That's it. The end of Radio Zero. Stay tuned for Nardwar. CITR, 101.9 FM, UBC Radio in Vancouver. RadioZero.ca.
Who are you? I am Thor, the Rock Warrior. Thor, here we are at the Tomahawk Barbecue in North Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You've brought me here to meet an esteemed individual. Who have you brought me to meet? All the way from Florida, I bring you Steve Price. Hello, Steve. Hello, how are you? Good. Who are you, Steve Price? Please explain. How do you connect to Thor, Canada's legendary metal master who's playing tonight at the Media Club for Halloween in Vancouver? Well, around, I would say, 1981 and 1982, we met. Uh, I replaced uh, the uh, guitarist that was in the band at the time. And then we went on to uh, do Only the Strong, uh, Knock Em Down EP, a couple of videos and then some of the biggest tours that we ever did in our life and then finally the recruits album uh, wild in the streets which we did for rca in like probably around 1986. now steve who is thor for people that don't know how would you describe thor canada's metal legend well i'd say he's uh one of the greatest rock and roll performers i've ever seen and ever worked with and uh the Tremendous front man, tremendous vocals, and just a great, great writer all in all. How did you first hear of Thor? How would you describe Thor to others, i.e. like when you were going to be joining Thor's band? When did you first hear of Thor? I, uh, I couldn't possibly imagine that there would be... I was a very big fan of uh, guys like Rob Halford and Ozzy Osbourne, and I couldn't imagine when I originally went down to the rehearsal down at Charles Lane in Greenwich Village, I believe back in 1982 that there could be someone with more energy and more enthusiasm than anybody I, I've seen prior that I was fans of, you know. Thor, what did you look like at that time? Well, you still look the same way, and you'll be looking that way tonight in Halloween at the media club. But what did you look like back then for people that want to know? I had very muscular buttocks. And uh, actually, I had... <laughs> Excuse me. That's Steve Price. No, Steve Price had the most muscular buttocks. What I had uh, was very long blonde hair, and uh, that was my image at the time. So it was more like a Conan the Barbarian, Thor, the Conqueror kind of look. And uh, uh, so we had numerous practice uh, places in the village, and I auditioned numerous guitarists. And then I saw this incredible guitarist, and I just was blown away. This guy was like greater than Randy Rhodes. His name was Steve Price. But specifically, what did you look like on stage, and what did you look like at the practice session where Steve came to audition? I had very large peni and uh, wore a cup. Uh, and uh, when Steve Price came in, uh, actually at the time also Cherry Bomb was there. She was the centerfold for uh, Wee Magazine and Cherry Magazine. She also liked uh, Steve Price very much. What was it like walking into that room, Steve, when you walked in to join Thor's band? Oh, it was very interesting for me because com coming from like a progressive rock background and uh, these guys were in this massive jam. And it was what did Thor look like, though? What was he really dressed in? He, uh, I, it's very hard for me to remember, but I'm pretty sure he, uh, it was, he was probably dressed in like a studded metal codpiece and uh, had spikes on his shoulders. And, and you're not joking. This is really what happened. Oh, it was pretty, it was pretty, like I said, coming from the background that I came from, which was more of a progressive jazz kind of guitar background, it was very interesting uh, to me to see uh, these guys that were, one guy was dressed in leopard, another guy was dressed in chains and black leather across his chest, and I found, because it was a real serious, you know, dress rehearsal to try to find a guitar player, because we had to do the Uncle Floyd TV show, which was on M NBC, I believe, two weeks 
after that. So it was kind of a crunch. So just to see this guy and, you know, this tremendous, like, uh, bodybuilding, like Arnold Schwarzenegger-type guy with no shirt on and singing like that and everything, it was just, like, pretty amazing situation. And, Steve, here comes breakfast. Boom. <laughs> Thor, are you ready? Yes, this is the largest practice I have ever seen uh, from uh, London, England. Uh, Kilburn, we, Steve Price and I used to go to Kilburn, and we thought those were big breakfasts, but this is the biggest breakfast I have ever seen. What is this one called, the Yukon? Bacon and eggs Yukon style at the Tomahawk Barbecue. Well, we'd love to do a song. Uh, we have a song called Thunderhawk, but we're going to change it to Tomahawk. Whoa. Tomahawk. Dun, 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 dun. I was wondering, Steve, before you dig in there, you'd mentioned you've seen Thor eat a lot of food. You're mentioning something about the keg and a steak. What was that? What was like touring with Thor and Thor's eating habits? Well, when we were on tour in Toronto around 83, playing at the Heaven and the Gas Works and stuff like that, uh, we went to the mansion and there was a contest there to, to eat the largest steak at the mansion, which Thor did finish. Um, the steak it took him quite a bit of time. The owner was very unhappy because it had to be free at that point. So, but he did finish like probably like I think like a five-pound steak or something crazy like that. And here we are, all these years later, still eating. Thor's still eating, Steve. Still eating, yes. And it was very appropriate that we played the Gasworks afterwards. Baboom. Baboom was correct. <laughs>
So you walk into this practice space and you see Thor, Canada's heavy metal legend. What did Thor say about his past at all? Uh, there really wasn't a lot of talking going on. It was kind of like one of those things. It was very, very, uh, very spiritual, weird situation where it was like, there's the amp, there you are, be prepared. I was very, very uh, stressed and frightened, you know, by these guys. Uh, and we just plugged in and went into a massive jam. Now, what I find really interesting about Thor, Canada's heavy metal legend, again, Thor's playing tonight at the Media Club in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, for Halloween, is it's not just the music, is it, Steve? As much as you probably don't want to say, it's not just the music, is it? No, it's not just the music. One of the biggest things that I was always into also with Alice Cooper and, and just the, the theatrics is that I believe that in music... You should be entertained, you know. You shouldn't be sitting there and, like, falling asleep or whatever. It, there should be a performance, you know. And so part of it is the fact that, you know, along with the music, there's some type of a show, you know, to keep, you know, to keep the theatrics going with music. Now, the show. What can you describe about the show, Steve Price, guitarist for Thor? Because nobody was like Thor in metal. Was there anybody like you, Thor, at all? They broke the mold, there was nobody like Thor. Like, for instance, there was, like, a steel bar that was bent, a hot water that was blown up, a hot water bottle. What can you say about those things, particular things that were done by the feats of strength that were done by Thor, Steve? Well, it was very interesting in the beginning because of picking up the steel bar and being a 200-pound, 6-foot guy myself and my uh, ex-bass player being a pretty big guy, too. Um, we couldn't believe, you know, that it, it was even possible uh, one at one point at, at our. What did he do for the people that don't know? Well, he would take a steel bar that was basically the brake liner of like a huge pickup truck. That's how thick it was, or a girder of a building, quarter inch thick of solid molten steel, and take it and put it in his mouth and with his jaw and his arms bend it into a horseshoe like Superman. So that was Act One, and then Act Two was the hot water bottle. Yeah, that was incredible. I couldn't even blow that thing up to make it look like you know a piece of bubble gum. So what happened there, Steve? What did Thor do there? Like, you guys would be playing a tune? We would be playing a tune. Like, we usually had a vamp that was, like, called Death March or something like that. It was theatrical music for him to perform. And um, he would take a hot water bottle, certified hot water bottle, and blow it up very quickly, I might add. Even uh, at one point on British television, I timed him at 1 minute and 17 seconds and burst it. Now, not only was there bending of steel, not only was there the hot water bottle, there was also the elements of the band. It was you playing guitar, but who are the other people in the band? For instance, Cherry Bomb, Pantera, what was her role? Could you describe her on stage? Well, she was uh, backup vocals and a uh, very beautiful model, and uh, it would add to the attraction. Very, very nice dancing, very nice backup singing, and, uh, you know, incredible outfits, incredible, uh, very well-endowed. As you say on the new live in Detroit reissue CDs. The biggest bristles in rock. But nobody was doing this stuff. Were they, Thor? Like, you had everything. You had the music. You had all these neat stunts that happened on stage. Like, you just took it to the next level. Absolutely. We were the innovators. We, we took uh, the theatrical aspect of rock to another level. No one did what we did, but many tried to emulate what we did after. Looking at Thor back then, Steve, I look at Thor, and he looks like he'd want to kick my ass. Was Thor nice back then? Yeah, it was a very, very odd situation because you would see this guy that was uh, pretty much, you know, could snap anybody in half and a very articulate uh, 
polite, extremely nice person. Although there wouldn't be a side, there would be a side you wouldn't want to see. It was almost like it reminded me of David Banner, you know, like uh, if everything was fine, you know, he would be the most incredible guy. But some guys have tried to challenge him, and then uh, then you see the Hulk come out. Did anybody try to challenge you at all, Thor? The way you looked, because looking at you it looks like you were really mean, but you're not mean. Well, I've hardened over the years. So you've got meaner over the years. Yes, I am more meaner and grouchier over the years. Uh, but any, if anybody tried to challenge me, I would crush their skulls. Who else was in the band at the time that Steve was in the band? Could you explain who else was in the band? As I said, there was the uh, uh, very scantily clad uh, singer Cherry Bomb, a.k.a. Pantera. There was uh, the, uh, what we called him, uh, Favitar. That was his superhero name. That was uh, uh, Mike Favada on drums, tremendous drummer. And then there was Zazar. Uh, he was uh, Keith Zazzy. But in the comics, we had, of course, a comic book called Thor the Rock Warrior. Uh, his superhero name was Zazar, and he could shoot lasers out of his base. Uh, what was your uh, superhero? Oh, yes, he was Lightning Lad. And what I find really interesting, there's a lot of interesting stuff about Thor playing tonight at the Media Club in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Steve, was your guitar solos. That's part of the reason I wanted to do an interview with you, just because of the guitar solo on Rock the City from the Live in Detroit CD. Right. Uh, what was the question? I... Well, it's just epic. It's just an epic. I wanted to talk to you just because of a guitar solo. It's incredible. It's like a 10-minute guitar solo. It's incredible. So you have all this great stuff happening, the bending of steel, the hot water bottles, and then this 10-minute epic. It's almost like a noise art rock jam from 1985. It's incredible. Yeah, well, what I was trying to do, I mean, obviously coming in right in the mix there, a lot of people have uh, accused me or... Uh, sent YouTube messages of being like just like Van Halen and just like Randy Rhodes where they don't realize we're all in the same age range. And I think I got all of maybe 10, 15 minutes to listen to either one of those guys. So a lot of the similarities of the guitar playing is from the guys that influenced us, as in Eric Clapton, Leslie West, you know, Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that. And that's where that hammer-on, you know, L.A., New York kind of shredding style evolved where a lot of the guys like had simul similarities from the guys that we were influenced from from the age group. Well, I just think it's really great that the CD, Keep the Dogs Away, has been reissued on Scratch Records, and Scratch Records has put a lot of noise bands in past. Now, this particular CD, Live in Detroit, is not on Scratch, but still the elements of that guitar solo. What can you say about the particular guitar solo from Rock the City 1985? I love it. It is so cool. Well, what I was trying We're going to hear it at the end of this interview in case somebody's wondering. Excellent. Well, what I was trying to do at that point was I was just pretty much uh, with the pressure of the tremendous talent of Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes and even Jakey Lee, all guys I respected uh, at the time. I was trying to play guitar as fierce and as insane as I possibly could. At certain points, I didn't know where I was. I was dizzy. I, I would salivate. I would, like, you know, almost pass out and go into a seizure. Um, at one point, Thor had asked me, uh, he had stayed at my house and asked me when I showed him live in London if I sped up the tape because he thought I was playing a pentatonic scale, uh, probably almost 64 notes, which is fast as humanly possible. And he wanted to know if I sped up the tape. And I said, no, I had no way of speeding up the tape. So it was just the energy that he, I would get from him 
and the guitar, I was trying to like pretty much kill the guitar, you know, just like slay it to death. And I would be bleeding and like, you know, cut up and just going crazy. And you were Steve Price of Thor. Now, Steve, what did you look like back then yourself? There was a lot of spandex involved. A lot of people laugh when they hear the word spandex, but there really was for you. Like, you guys really took spandex to the next level. What can you describe about your costume, what you're wearing, and what were the colors of the spandex? Well, I was wearing a lightning costume made by uh, CC Star, which was pretty famous uh, custom costume maker in Greenwich Village down on uh, Bleecker Street, where they made costumes for everyone, and um, that was specially made. At the time, um, Thor was working with like Ken Landgraf and people from the comic industry, and we had a couple of our own comic issues. So there was a character like we wanted to create a character like that because we wanted to take it to. Uh, we had a huge, huge situation going on with Mattel Toys, and uh, we wanted to take the band and make it into almost like a cartoon, which is something that we were going to do. So that's what, you know, that's what wearing the costume and, you know, doing that was very serious for us because we felt most of the bands, everything was like jump on the devil, the devil, the devil. You know, it's so easy to be negative and we were trying to send positive messages to the kids. Not in a striper way, though. Not in a striper way, not, not to, to, to be non-denominal, whatever, you know, non-religious rather. You know, we wanted to just be spiritual in the sense of saying that, you know, the superheroes, the uh, role models, the Superman. I was a very big fan of Superman. I believe Superman, and and Thor and uh, comics like that were very very big heroes of mine. You know, as a kid. So we wanted to send a message uh, to say that with positivity and strength and you know spirituality, we can you know we could defeat anybody. You know, we could defeat illness. We could you know you know, make people better, make people happy. And that's what we were trying to do. We are trying to be very, very happy in a very positive kind of way, you know. That is very touching, Steve. That is the essence of heavy metal. Yeah, the, you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that heavy metal gets a very bad rap because of people that jump on things that are very easy to uh, um, get people to like, you know, like uh, goat horns and, you know, witchcraft and stuff like that. And I've always felt that... Uh, you shouldn't mess with things that you don't know about. And we, we never really messed with the evil side of things. I'm not knocking people that did, but we, we always felt we would like to stay on the positive side of, uh, you know, the music. The message should be happy and fun, you know, instead of down and, you know, depressing and stuff like that. Now, Steve, guitarist of Thor playing tonight on this depressing holiday, October 31st, Halloween. What I was wondering is, speaking of Halloween and stuff, Thor, there was the band Man O' War, right, Thor? Yes, Man O' Featuring some members of the Dictators, Ross the Boss. Now, what are the similarities and differences between Thor and Dictators since you played in both bands? Yes, I would like to thank Man of War for singing a song about me called Thor the Powerhead. And uh, it's greatly appreciated. Ross the Boss is a very good friend of mine. And uh, <clears throat> when we did a reunion uh, with the dictators uh, at CBGB's in, uh, in the year 2001, uh, Ross was there. And uh, <clears throat> he said, uh, hey, I used to wear a helmet like yours. And I said, yeah, you guys copied me. You know, of course you're going to wear a helmet like mine. And Joey DeMayo and all those guys like I could crush their heads. Come tonight, tonight at the media club, you will see a show of shows. You will see the greatest guitarist in the world. You will see a show that you will never see again. Do you understand that? Do you people understand who is the champion? 
Thor playing tonight at the Media Club. But Steve Price, guitarist of Thor, what can you say about Manowar and Thor? First, tell the people who Manowar were, and could you tell the people who Thor were and the differences and the connections to the dictators? Because some people say there's some comparisons between the two that should be made. Well, yeah, a lot of people compare the the two. The, the, the main difference is uh, Ross, the boss, is a friend of mine, a very good guitar player, um, we had mutual friends. I used to play with the drummer from the Plasmatics years ago. And uh, I would say the difference is, is that um, Thor is very exciting, okay? And Man of War is very serious. So if you go to, you know, not to insult Man of War, but if you go to a concert, you, you know, compared to Thor, you might want to bring a pillow with you or something like that because, you know, they're very serious and very... Uh, you know, there's, a, there's an element of metal that feels that they have to be very serious and they can't do anything silly and they can't do anything theatrical. And after a while, you know, actually, just recently I was invited to Black Sabbath and I saw Black Sabbath with Alice Cooper and Queensryche and I couldn't get over the fact how tremendous Alice Cooper was, not to take away from Black Sabbath, because Alice Cooper put on a show that was no reason for anybody to even come out after that. And then Black Sabbath came out, and, and Ronnie Dio, who's great, just they just stood there like statues and just played their music. And you could see the crowd. The difference in the crowd was people were going insane when Alice Cooper was on, and the other people were kind of sitting down and mellowing out, you know? So I would say the big difference between Man of War and Thor, besides the fact that I think that our material is definitely more is catchier is the excitement and the theatrics of the strength of our show compared to their show. And they also signed contracts in blood, didn't they, Thor? Yes, they did. And <clears throat> uh, I signed my contracts with brown stains. Steve isn't your only guitarist, though. Over the years, you've had quite a few guitars. I was curious. I saw a clip on the Internet of you playing 12 Galaxies in San Francisco on August 31st, 2005. Who was your guitarist there? What was your band at that time? Steve Stack, and he was fired. Uh, looked great, though. <clears throat> yes, that's, his, that's the problem. He looked too great, and uh, he had a big ego. So we had a, a big confrontation in Portland, and I sent him home. But to tell you the truth, uh, a lot of my guitarists have been passing away over the years. Uh, John Chand uh, recently passed away. Uh, he played on Keep the Dogs Away. Um, and a few others. I'm a little concerned about Steve Price, that he can keep up the energy over the next few years. Well Thor, there has been a reissue, as I mentioned, of Keep the Dogs Away from 1977. It's out now on Scratch Records. What can you say about the song Wasted? That's how I feel after a heavy, heavy night of drinking. I know I'm not supposed to say this, but Thor does uh, partake in the mead a few uh, times, and, and uh, you know, when I get up in the morning, I feel wasted. That's one of the great tracks on the album, isn't it, Thor? Yeah, I like that one, and I like uh, also Superhero, uh, which uh, I didn't know. Had I known back then when I said, what becomes of me? What becomes of me now? Uh, talking about years into the future. Had I foreseen that, I would have quit show business immediately. Thor, you also did a song with Alice Cooper. Is that on the new CD? It's uh, Actually, how did you know about that? Well, I dug deep and I found that there was some Thor-Alice Cooper connection. I think you might have told me. It also, there's, it says Morrison on that. What about that? That's pretty exciting. But what about your collaboration with Alice Cooper? That'll happen when you were in Toronto at the time, wasn't it? That's right. <clears throat> I uh, met Alice in, in Toronto. 
And uh, he's a very nice guy. Vincent is his first name. And uh, I said, hey, you know, can we write a song together? And we uh, put together a song. Uh, it's called I'm Thor. And I actually, on the album, it's a live cut from 1974 when I tried it out for the first time. And let's hear it right now. This is Thor and Alice Cooper live on CITR. I'm Thor. heard your Alice Cooper cut. We don't hear Alice Cooper on that particular track, do we? No, he. I, I just told you before, he was a writer. Yeah, I was just reinforcing that to the listeners. Yes, but uh, I try to emulate uh, a few uh, sentences. Uh, like, I'm Thor. Didn't that sound like Alice? Thor, speaking of connections and stuff, we're speaking here to Thor playing tonight at the Media Club for our Halloween. You told me about something you heard about me and Heath Ledger. Is this true? Absolutely. When I was on tour in the United States, Paul Falcon was there. You see him over there falling asleep. But, and uh, Steve Price was there. And there's people saying that you, you, sir, 
uh, where the was the inspiration for the Joker. Now, if you see the movie, I can see it very, very clearly that uh, like your persona was copied to be the Joker. Where was that? Do you heard that? Yes, I heard it in Portland. I heard it in New York City. I heard it in San Francisco. What are we gonna do now, Batman? You know, that's you know, it's very. I'm. It's so obvious that uh, Keith Ledger had seen your programs on Much Music and, and, and basically took your character to become the Joker. You were the inspiration for that. Thor, you mentioned the name Paul, your good friend Paul here. That's part of the Vancouver Millionaires organization. Now there's something exciting coming up with Vancouver Millionaires. What are the Vancouver Millionaires and what are you doing? I want to say that uh, um, myself... Uh, Paul Falcon and Catherine Elo are executives of uh, Vancouver Millionaire Sports Limited, and we have something special, very, very special. We represent the uh, honor and tribute of the Vancouver Millionaires who won the Stanley Cup for Vancouver in 1915. And on November 21st, I'll let Paul tell you, on November 21st... November 21st, something... Extremely exciting is going to happen in Vancouver. Something that hasn't happened since 1923. I should almost not let the cat out of the bag, but let's put it this way. We're bringing the millionaires back to life. In the form of the Vancouver Giants. That's right. The Vancouver Giants shall don the Vancouver Millionaires fully uniform, not seen in Vancouver since 1923, and play in front of 15,000 fans at the Pacific Coliseum. November 21st, Stanley Cup Legends. That's the Vancouver Millionaires jersey that you own. You have the right to produce that, don't you, Thor? Absolutely. We own all trademark rights to the V, to the name, and it's not just the jersey. They will wear the socks, the pants, the fighting straps, everything. And we're still here at the Tomahawk Barbecue in North Vancouver, speaking to Paul from Vancouver Millionaire Sports, heavy metal legend Thor, and Steve Price from Thor's band. Steve Price, the early days of you as a guitarist in New York. I find this interesting. You played like Max's Kansas City when you were 16 years old? Yeah, when I was uh, 16 years old, I used to uh, uh, play with the guys that were the backing band for Leslie West. Uh, Leslie West had a band called the Wild Wild West Show. And I was in a band actually called Magpie. And uh, when I was a kid, I used to just plug into a, a public band shell and sit in the park and just play like Jimi Hendrix by myself. And these guys were driving by in a Corvette, and they saw this kid just playing like, like a crazy lunatic with all this hair and everything and they pulled up and I thought they were going to rob me and they said wow you know uh, we play with Leslie West Uh, we were interested in when he doesn't go on tour if you would do local shows with us and I said sure and next thing I know I was in the band I was playing all these prestigious places that I wasn't even old enough to get in. Thor the United Kingdom you were on the show The Tube yes and there was a band called The Tubes with Fee Waybill Exactly. When I think of the tubes, I also think of the plasmatics. And you played with some plasmatics. You were mentioning Steve Price, guitarist of Thor? Yeah, I worked with Stu, uh, the drummer. We had a band together in uh, New York um, called The Bites. And uh, we played CBGBs in a lot of clubs together after he was in that band. And um, uh, talking about the tube, though, the tube, that show actually a lot of people don't realize was produced by uh, 
Ian Hunter and Jeff Beck own that show, The Tube. And John, was uh, you, you, Thor was on that show with uh, Madness that night. Yeah, I've seen the clip on YouTube, although you can't really tell it's Madness attacking you, but at the very end, Madness attack you? Yes, they jumped on top of me. The presenter of that show seemed to be kind of anti-heavy metal. Was he just joking, or did he really not like heavy metal? He liked heavy metal at the end of the show. After you jumped on him. Yeah, well, you know, at the time, you know, the British, ha uh, we were so popular at the time, the British have, uh, which which we love and I love, they've always supported us, but they always have a little ant kind of antagonistic way about poking fun at you. Otherwise, they look like they're, you know, kissing your butter or whatever. So it was really just tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, but they were actually all very, very great guys, you know? Now, how popular was Thor, were Thor, in the United Kingdom? Because I have a quote here, most popular heavy metal band in the UK. That's what you were billed as. Well, we were pretty popular. I mean, when we'd come back, you know, sometimes we had our own apartment by Abbey Road Studios, and we would... Uh, there would be a lot of kids in, in the front, so we'd have to go in the back way, you know, just to get through the front door to get into the apartment because they would be sitting there with records and stuff like that. And it's not that we didn't want to sign all of them, but we just didn't want anybody to really know where we lived, you know. What sort of hits did you have in London? Well, we had a song John Thor and I wrote called Knock Em Down, which was uh, one of the, I think, one of the only songs from uh, Thor to uh, uh, be on Billboard for almost a month uh, charting in the top 100, solid with a bullet for for a pretty long time. How long did you stay in England, and why did it end in England? Um, it didn't really end in England. You know, we we played England uh, at at a certain point, and then we played there. I think we did eight or nine tours. We sold out the Marquee Club, the original club where the Who, Jimi Hendrix played on Wardour Street about six times. Uh, we played the Camden Palace. Uh, we played the Lyceum Theater. We played all over. Kerrang Festivals, Motorhead, Jethro Tull, Wasted, UFO, all these bands. And we just felt it was a, at, at a point, being Americans, uh, most of us, you know, that would be a time to now, like the people would do, go through the back door and go back into the United States and start doing some shows in the United States. Those shows seem totally crazy in London, like those girls jumping on stage and a necking with Thor. Yeah, those were Amazon. Uh, actually, those girls were guitar students of mine. And that's... Oh, not the what girls. This is in the live in London VHS. It actually is on YouTube. Live in London VHS. Oh yeah, yeah. The girls, uh, we couldn't control that. That was a, you know, a television show, and the girls just went saw Thor, and they just went crazy. We had to get our bodyguards, uh, uh, who were the same bodyguards at the time for Motorhead, to like get them off of him so he could just finish the show. Now, what else was there? Because there was the bending of the steel, where Thor bent the steel. He blew up the hot water bottle. But there were also some other things, like with cave beasts and, like, crushing of rocks and stuff like that. What were the other things? Yeah, the craziest thing that I ever saw was when uh, it, uh, Thor would have cinder blocks, uh, the kind you would use in Florida, you know, hurricane-proof cinder blocks, and put them on his chest with just a piece of wood to protect, you know, in case the guy slipped or whatever. And then be able to take the impact of a street drill and the street drill would break the cinder blocks from the strength of his chest and then the little bits and pieces if that wasn't enough he would allow a person who was not even an expert to take uh, a railroad sledgehammer and sledgehammer the rest of the bricks off his chest and all this is like on stage in the middle of the concert all this is on stage in the middle of the concert yes
world's gone crazy If you never win Or when your head is breaking Sometimes I feel that I'm wasted Sometimes I feel that I'm wasted Sometimes I feel Sometimes I feel that I'm wasted Sometimes I feel that I'm wasted Sometimes I feel Price of Thor playing tonight with Thor at the Media Club for Halloween. Lastly here, what can you say about the reissue of Keep the Dogs Away that has just been unleashed by Scratch Records? Uh, I, I myself went way back when had never gotten much of a chance to hear the record, you know, because um, it was very, a very obscure record to find the uh, LP. It was like a collector's item. And when I got the tracks, I actually produced, reproduced, and remastered the record for Thor. Um, I couldn't believe, like, 
that it actually sounded like uh, like an Alice Cooper or an Elton John, or it had that quality, the production, the musicianship, and the songs. It had the sound of an album from the 70s, just like the anybody, any of the other superstars. So I was very impressed with the uh, production, the original production, the original recording quality, and the uh, performance by all the musicians on the record. Thor, anything else you'd like to add about Keep the Dogs Away, the 30th anniversary special edition, 1978 to 2008? I'm, I'm just really proud uh, of you know, and, uh, the opportunity that Keith Perry, the president of Scratch uh, Records, uh, gave me uh, when he uh, said he was going to uh, re-release this record. It just takes me back a, a long ways. That's 30 years is a long time. It's, uh, you know, uh, I've been doing uh, music now. It's, four, I say, four decades of rock. It's been a, a long and an amazing trip. And uh, I really appreciate my good friends, you know, Steve Price for remastering. And uh, there was uh, one cut on there that uh, Paul Falcon uh, uh, worked on at uh, Falcon's Lair. And, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a great team effort. we got a great team, the Thor Corps. And tonight... As I said, tonight you will see an incredible show. Paul's going to be there, and one of the greatest guitarists, one of the unsung heroes of guitar history, greater than Randy Rhodes, greater than Jimmy Page, Steve Price. Come one, come all, tonight, 10 o'clock, 10 p.m., be there. Paul, you're going to be there. You told me a story once about you being at a Thor gig in Portland. What's it like participating in a Thor gig? Because you actually participated the gig. Not only are you part of the Vancouver Millionaires jersey selling team, what were you doing at that Portland gig? How did you play into the show? <laughs> well, that's a funny story. I mean, I've worked in the music uh, and entertainment business for years as well. And so it was kind of a connection through uh, Mike Kishnick, who was playing guitar at the time got an opportunity to say you know hey we're doing this this tour go through the states sounded like fun next thing you know uh i'm road manager and we're we're heading out down along the west coast (laughs) it wasn't just you were road manager you also had to participate physically in the actual show Oh, yeah, physically is definitely... What did you do? Could you explain to the people what did you have to do? Because this kind of shows how the Thor show really is special. Well, it's it's one of those things where I consider that probably one of those things I will always remember for the rest of my life. Basically, this is a part of the show where I dress up as an ogre and from behind the crowd basically work my way through you know the the this was a jam-packed uh, club right so there's you know i'm working my way through the uh the the to the front of the stage and thor is is trying to seek me out you know he's like there's a creature amongst you i must find this creature and next thing you know all of a sudden he sees me and he's like there's a creature get him get him get him and i'm sitting there going okay, all of a sudden people are actually like really physically getting into it and I'm like getting things torn from my hands. I ha- what are you dressed as? Well, you know, picture like basically an ogre with the, with the skull mask. I mean, it, it's... You can't even see what's going on really. 
I could barely see what's going on. And plus, you know, it was, it was a jam-packed club, so there was very little room to maneuver. And it, and it took me probably five minutes to get up to the stage to actually fight Thor. And that was, you know, part of the, the, the whole experience. But just to get to the stage... I was fighting for my life, you know? Like, these guys were actually ripping stuff from my... You know, I had a, um, uh, one of those uh, sledgehammers. I don't know what happened to it. It just got in pieces. I mean, we're talking... These, this crowd was crazy for Thor, so that's, that's something I will never forget in, in terms of, you know, just how intense the show can be and just what, you know, like... Thor is, is such an incredible front man. Like, I've never seen a guy who can just really work a crowd up like that. And then, you know, when you pack the place like that and you've got, you know, that kind of energy, you're going to have fun. It's guaranteed. So I can hardly wait for tonight. It's going to be one of those shows. I mean, the 30th anniversary, too. Like, if you've never even seen a Thor show, you have to come down because it's, it's something you'll remember forever. And, you know, you got Steve here who's flown in from Florida, especially for the show. Uh, this is going to be something that uh, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime. In Vancouver, one of Vancouver's legend. you know, I mean, if you're talking about someone who's, who's grown up here and appreciates Vancouver just as a city, you know, whether it's the sports teams or whether it's uh, music that's come from here, you, you have to, you have to uh, come down and show your support. We're going to end the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show Thor with Rock the City. This is called... Rock the city, rock Vancouver tonight at the Media Club. Ten o'clock tonight, you will be rocked. Well, after that great intro, I'm not actually going to play the song. I'm just going to say, lastly here, Steve, although we kind of dissected the solo earlier, Rock the City. Here, we're going to play this right now. It was like 10 minutes off the live in Detroit, recently reissued Thor CD. Again, things to look out for, what people are going to hear right now coming up, Rock the City. Well, what you'll hear is a... You on guitar. Well, you'll hear me on guitar, and you'll hear a combination, if you pay attention carefully, of... uh, Rock and roll, standard rock and roll licks, classical licks, jazz licks, uh, out of space licks, you know, just crazy, crazy superhuman strength of, like, shredding the guitar and basically, um, and, and actually, if you listen carefully, you'll hear, which is something that I actually took from Leslie West, which is one of my heroes, uh, you'll hear the theme from a very popular movie that a lot of people don't seem to notice. One of my favorite movies you'll hear that I do over and over again in 30-second notes, the uh, theme to a very, very popular science fiction movie. So you'll hear that's in the solo also. Well, thanks so much, Steve Price. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks so much, Thor. Keep on rocking in the free world and do-do-do-do-do. Do-do.
are you? Who am I? Who are you? I'm Nardwar, the human serviette. And who are you? I'm Licky Lee. Licky Lee, how do you pronounce your name? I've seen it pronounced all different sorts of ways. Uh, I say Licky Lee. Licky Lee? Licky Lee. Licky Lee? Licky Lee. Licky Lee. Yeah, almost, almost, yeah. Almost. Well, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. Now, in Sweden sometimes, people give each other gifts, don't they, on Saturday or Sunday mornings? Uh, no. Well, they do here, and although today is not Friday or Saturday, I have a gift here for you. Really? Yes. This is for you, Licky Lee. Oh my God, what is it? Should I open it up? Yes, it has a connection to you. What could this gift be? Um, Swedish pancakes? No, it is something to do with you. Uh, something that you have. What do I have? Oh my God, Andre 3000. Do I have it? I thought you have a ringtone, an Andre 3000 ringtone. Yeah, yeah, I do. How do you know that? Well, we all know. We're following you, Leaky Lee. Oh, that's so cool. I really like him. And he's I wearing underwear. Do, uh, yeah, it's nice. I think he should have no underwear, but it's nice. What do you think about the hip-hop stylings of Andre 3000 and the Outkast? Because you're a big fan of the hip-hop, aren't you? Yeah, I love it. I think it's really unique and it's, it's fun to watch. You know, it's like the good old days, you know, like James Brown and watching all those crazy outfits. I think people should dress up more. What do you think of my Vancouver outfit? It's amazing. And you bought that in today, yeah. That's incredible. Oh, it's really nice, right? Like, no, not all, just a jacket, yeah. Have you been looking for something like that for a long time at all? Yeah, I have. It's the perfect winter's jacket, I think. So now this is going to show up in a whole bunch of your photo shoots? Yeah, I think so. Along with the Andre 3000 doll? Yeah, yeah. You really do love the hip-hop, though. For instance, A Tribe Called Quest. You're repping A Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, I did. Do you do that every night? You have, like, a song where you pay tribute to A Tribe Called Quest, don't you? We actually do a Tribe Called Quest cover. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I try not to do it, but then every time... I go on stage, I just feel like doing it, so I do it every night. <laughs> That's what's so great about you, Lukey Lee, is that you're so spontaneous in what you do. Could you kick out a bit of that for us? Because I've seen these great sort of internet performances of you like on a park bench and you're doing a song. Could you kick out a little bit of the Tribe Called Quest for us or anything in, for Vancouver? Yeah, I guess I could. So should I do it just a little bit? Yeah, that would be really great. Okay. But I don't, like, I don't rap so good, you know, but I just like doing it anyway. So can I kick it to all my people who can quest like a tribe does? Before this, did you really know what live was? Comprehend to the track and its rockers. Getting messes on the tip of the vibers. Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz. Move your feet real good on the rhythm rug. And if you feel the urge to freak through the jitterbug, come on, spread your arms if you really need a hug. Afrocentric living is a big shrug. A life filled with, mm, that's what I love. A lower plateau is what we're above. So come on now, now can I kick it? Tribe Called Quest in the house. I don't know if it was that good, though. That was amazing. It wasn't. Does that bring down the house every time you do it? People yeah. love it, don't they? It wasn't so good now, yeah. I thought it came out great. You've had a lot of experience, though, at Hip Hop Ground Central, haven't you? You grew up or lived a little bit of your life at Bushwick, New York? Yeah, only for a few months, though. But that's an interesting place. What can you tell the people about Bushwick, New York? I mean, it was it was good times. It was hard times, but it was good times, you know? It was Puerto Rican, so they called me Blanquita. They were like, Blanquita, you know? So, um... I don't know what to say. It was, it was nice. Well, there was a story I heard that you told, something about a cab driver chasing you home. You took a cab and then he followed you home? Yeah, that happens occasionally. And then you saw some guys and you started to run and they started to run after you? Yeah, then like I, I was walking down the street as well and somebody got shot. 
you know, also when I was on my way to the tube. Yeah. This is all in Bushwick, New York. Yeah, Bushwick, New York. What were you doing there? Were you working on music at that time? I came there because I wanted to, to learn something about life and music, so I came there and that was really cheap to stay at the time, so um, I went to open mics and I went out a lot partying and, and I was writing some music, yeah. Did you go on any of those hip-hop tours at all? Hip-hop tours? Just like hip-hop tours, they showed a history of hip-hop since you were down there at Ground Zero. No, no. How about Swedish hip-hop? What's Swedish hip-hop like? I've heard of an artist called Timbuktu. Yeah, that's my friend. I know him really well. He's a friend of mine. What can you tell the people about Timbuktu, Swedish rap? He's really talented. Um, and I think he, he's actually one of the, the few hip-hoppers that I like in Sweden. He's really, like, he, make, he has his own style. And it's very, you know, it's modern Swedish, I would say, you know. Do you get many American hip-hop bands tour in Sweden? A few, a few, yeah. Have you seen any? Um, I probably have, but I can't remember one now that I think of it. But, um, yeah, but I can't remember. Now, Luki Lee, what I find really interesting is that Sweden is hip-hop, but of course they have hip-hop. But Sweden also had lots of great punk rock. Yeah, they did. Like, for instance, I find it fascinating, absolutely fascinating, that your mom played in a punk rock band. God, where, I have to get this. Can I have this? I don't, I don't even have it myself. What is this particularly? What can you tell the people about this? This is my mom. <laughs> um... Yeah, what This is your mom in a punk rock band. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun that you have this. And this is like from 1977? Actually, 1980, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know, you know. Where did you get this? It's so cool. Now, this particular record here, what are they singing about? What is your mom singing about on this? What can you say about your mom doing punk rock in Sweden in the 70s? Because this is pretty cool. Girls rocking. I think that this song my mom wrote as well, and it's... um. It's, it's my dad has met another lady, so it's like uh, he talks about his dad that's met a, another lady. Um, and then uh, she, oh, it's like some, some efforts, like you're fucking with my brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's about like emptiness and, and about dad finding another girl. This is pioneering, pioneering punk rock from Sweden. I don't have this. I have to have it. We can arrange something for you, Liki Lee. But it doesn't stop there, though, because you're talking about your dad. Your dad played in a punk rock band as well, didn't he? Where did you get all this stuff? It's amazing. Yeah, where's my dad? Here's my dad. There's your dad. So your dad was in the band. What can you explain? Your dad was in the band Dag? Dog Vog. Dog Vog. And what were they like? I mean, they were they were a cool band, you know. It's really fun when I go home, like to my friends, you know, especially when I was younger, and they were like, "So, what is your, you know, we're having dinner, you know, after we played?" And then they were like, "Oh, what does your dad do?" I'm like, "Oh, my dad is the silver surf." They're like, "Oh my God, is he? I remember back in the day we were smoking weed, you know." And they tell me all these stories, so it's a good like icebreaker, you know. Because your dad started as kind of like punk rocker. Lee hiding the seven inches, but that's Even back. But that is really great, though, that your dad and your mom together doing punk rock. Now here I am in Vancouver representing the punk rock. Representing, but your dad also moved kind of mainstream because I thought your dad's band was pretty cool. Like three hundred thousand copies of records he sold, and they're doing so like Egyptian reggae. Yeah. Like a Swedish reggae band. That's awesome. Yeah. There was a quote about your dad that said he quote danced naked on roofs. Is that true? I don't know, but I, I hope so. Was there a lot of nakedness when you were growing up, Lucky Lee? Yeah, actually, I was naked all the time as well. 
Another inspiration, possibly, and one you're kicking out on this tour, is this artist right here. Oh, yeah, Wendy Renee. And what can you say about her? I mean, she is, like, fabulous. I think she only had one record, and but the whole record is just heartbreaking, you know. She has one of the best voices, and, I mean, this is the song I really wish I wrote. I think I wrote it subconsciously. <laughs> and you've been covering that quite a bit on this tour, haven't you? It's, it's, and I do it well. You should come. As this tour progresses down the coast, you're going to be playing California, aren't you? Yes. Are you going to be on an upcoming TV series called Rockville, California? I don't know. Am I? I saw that you were going to be on some TV shows. Do you know if you're doing any USA TV shows, like actual drama TV shows? I don't know, actually. Am I? I mean, like, as an actress or what? Yeah, I thought you were appearing, like, as one of the bands that would be on the show. What sort of TV? Do you have anything coming up? Do you know your daily schedule? No, I don't. They gave me too much cigarettes on the bus, but I don't think it's, it's only tobacco. No, I'm kidding. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You do learn quite a bit from TV. You were saying in an interview that you learned a lot about rock and roll from a Joe Strummer documentary. Yeah, yeah, he's the best. What TV station was that on? Not a TV station. It was a documentary about him They called The Future is Unwritten. So, I mean, I just got a lot of inspiration from that one. The video that you have, I'm good, I'm... Gone. Where did you get the people there in that video? I love the drummer. Who's the drummer? What can you say about the drummer in that video? Is a is a female bodybuilder. Um, so uh, we found, I mean, we were, like, searching for people, and then we called, like, the national, like, bodybuilder team and asked if they had some, some nice ladies that wanted to be in the video. Who else is in the video? There's a whole bunch of great people there. Is it hard to get bodybuilders into a video? No, you just gotta like motivate them, you know. I think they like they like being in front of a camera. Did you instruct them how to dance? Because you're a great dancer yourself. So did you help out with that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's not really dancing, but I did, you know, show them some movements and stuff. What can you say about the Vasa Museum? Oh, I've never been there. That's what I can say. Is that near where you live? The Vasa Museum in Sweden. It's like a famous ship that sank, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Stockholm is really small, so everything is kind of near. But I don't really... I mean, that's not my cup of tea, you know? Because I was thinking Vasa Museum, and then I was thinking of Vasa bread. Kind of connected, right? Bread is more my cup of tea. What sort of food do you like? Do you like fishy foods at all? Yeah, I actually do a lot. Yeah. Sweden is quite famous for the fishy foods, the interesting fishy foods. Like, for instance, the surströming. Ooh, I hate that one. What is surströming for people that don't know? It's like stinky fish. Stinky fish. Like, the thing is, though, it's a very traditional. Like, we're not so traditional in my family. Like, I'm never there. Like, I miss all the, like, you know, I'm never there on Christmas and stuff like that. So I, I never really had those kind of foods until, like, recently, you know, and I really don't like it. But it's only recently that it's been okay to eat the fish. Hasn't there been some problems in Sweden with eating fish, a lot of pollution, but now people can actually eat the fish? People have been eating fish all along. I thought actually the fish population got a bit healthier. Yeah, probably. Now, there's another bit of fish I would like to ask you about there, perhaps. Likili, and here it is. Kalis, what can you say about kalis? What is this, for the people that don't know? This is fish roe um, that you have on a sandwich and then you like uh, you slice some egg on it like it's really good it's really good actually it has a really weird uh, taste to it but this is what the people eat in sweden do you have lots of it no like I, I usually never eat it so but my sister likes it i know so whenever she's home she buys it and your name is luckily luckily yeah and that means in in what? norwegian that means no that's not true actually no, that's not true. I heard it, that you meant happy. No, I mean, lucky means like, um, 
What's the deal? Like, some people thought your name meant happy in Norwegian. No, it doesn't. I mean, um, it means, like, if you say, like, lykke til, that means, like, good luck. So it means, like, luck in Norwegian. Yeah. Because that kind of puts a bit of stop to my next theory there, Lukili. And right here, this is what I was wondering is, what can you tell the people about this that we're about to eat? I don't know. I know they have this. Is it in Norway they have it? Yeah, it's a Norwegian delicacy. Yeah, I don't like it at all, actually. It's a goat cheese. Yeah, it's, it has a really weird taste to it. You should try it. Would you like to have some right now? No. Or some kales? No. All you want to do is eat vinyl records right now, right? Yeah. I'm going to walk away with this one, yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time. Do you really enjoy Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada? I mean, are we the producers of the best thrift clothing? Where did you get this jacket? I, I bought it a really on Granville Street. It's a really amazing store. So, yeah, I love I love the vintage shops here, yeah. You're not wearing your black hat. No, should I? Yeah, I love your black hat. Uh, I don't know where it is, even. Because not many people wear hats on stage these days, do they? No. I don't need... I wore it, like, once on stage, but I usually wear it, like, a lot. Maybe I should just have it like this today. There's also a band called Wild Birds and... Peace Drums. And they're going to be coming to Vancouver. Are they? Yeah, they're going to be playing here in November. What can you tell the people about them? They are really good. I think uh, Mariam, who's singing, she has one of the best voices I've ever heard. Like, live, they're just amazing. Like... They're so good. So you should really check it out, like, really. Why should people care about Lucky Lee? Um, why not, you know? Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Um, stay fresh and clean and don't do drugs and, and take care of the environment. Don't, like, throw things like this, you know? Pick up your trash. What do you think of the backstage here at Richards & Richards? Yeah, I think they should pick up their trash. Does this look like any town USA? It looks like every time you essay, no? Well, uh, thanks so much, Lee. Keep on rocking in the free world and do, 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 do. Watch my back so I make sure you're right behind me as before. Yesterday, the night before, tomorrow.
following is a live presentation of CITR News. CITR 101.9 FM presents News 101, Vancouver's volunteer-produced student and community newscast. Now, here's your host, Rita Farkas. Good evening. Coming up on the program, Vancouver approves laneway housing and Carrie Baptist brings us a look at a civic debate at the Biltmore Hotel. And on the right of way, Brad Papink takes us to the Congo. We'll have a